That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, I have to begin with a shout out for this episode, episode 213. I don't always listen to the episodes of Same Old Song because obviously I'm here for it when it's recording, so kind of... You know, but every once in a while, I do go back and I listen, especially if it's been a while and I need some help on the sermon prep. But I was—I don't know if you listened to every episode, but there I was sure one recently. Do. It began. <laughs> it began just with like an extended session of just the noise of your chair squeaking, <laughs> like a good five to ten seconds. So shout out to T.J. Hester who uh, has a great sense of humor, and he uh, does all the behind-the-scenes production for the show. So, TJ, we love you. And and let it be known, he's not adding in those background, gritty New York noises. That's that authentic. All, that's all authentic. So, anyways, other than that, Actually, Jake, how are you, you in hear some, I'm doing well. Uh, if you hear some giggling in the background and laughing and uh, loud noises, that is because there is a film crew right outside my church. Uh, we are our hall has been transformed into a hotel room, uh, and is going to be um, one of the scenes for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. But you go into Anderson Hall and they've set it up, and it literally looks like a New York City street, like an, a hotel um, facing uh, like a New York City street. It's amazing what they've done. So that's cool. Um, I want to yeah. see it. That's, I mean, gosh, if you can work your way into being an extra in that show, I will give you one mm. whole American dollar. I'll be really excited to see that. Mm. We love that show. Anyways. It is a good show. So, Thank um, you. Good to know that Hulu is supporting the uh, Lord's work at Calvary St. George's. Biscuit absolutely. Church. Absolutely. Um, or no, Amazon Prime. Sorry. Yeah, what is there it? Goes, what that's, just lost that sponsorship. Yeah, use unwise mammon, worldly mammon for uh, right. heavenly things. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's much better than it was yesterday. Yesterday there was a guy. He was like one of their doormen, and uh, and he was like, and he's learning to play guitar. And he was like literally taking guitar lessons outside of my office, and it was driving me crazy. Because he's uh, waiting between. He's the guy who checks to make sure that like who's coming in is coming in. And every time I had to tell him I'm the rector of the church, I work here. And he's outside, and he's like learning to play like Mary had a little lamb on the guitar. He's just—he's just... multitasking. He's trying to improve himself while he's using. He's—he's he's redeeming the time, Jake. Yeah, yeah. He's not scrolling on his phone. He's learning how to play Stairway to Heaven. He was not. I mean, I literally—it was Mary had a little lamb, twinkle, twinkle, little star. It was like learning to play the basics. So you should thank the Lord that he wasn't learning how to play the tuba. You're never too young. So. That's right. But here we come, uh, we're looking at today text, uh, and somebody, um, yeah, so we're looking at these texts, Genesis 32, verses 22 to 31, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 4 through 5, and Luke chapter 18, 1 through 18. 
Yeah, October 16th, this Sunday, you'll be preaching one, or you'll be listening to a sermon on one of, or two or three, maybe, mm-hmm. of these passages as we yep. uh, head into, um, I think this is that three-day weekend, right? It's Indigenous People's Day, or if you're racist and an imperialist, <laughs> you can still call it Columbus Day. Uh, if you're cool with giving syphilis to, like, all these people that were just minding their own business, hanging around, Whatever. et cetera. And syphilis came the other way. We gave them smallpox, and then syphilis came the other way. But oh, anyway. really? Look at that. Yeah. I just learned something. Gifts Jacob that keep Smith, on giving. historical epidemiologist in his spare time. So, Gifts that keep on giving. <laughs> so you may, you might see uh, a potential drop in attendance uh, around this day if, if uh, you to celebrate this holiday. But, um, yeah, if none of you are a good preacher, just, just kidding. kidding. Everybody just felt so judged. It's fine. No, they don't come to my church or Jake's church on the holidays. No, no they, we're empty, man, out. that day. It's true. Yeah. So, but um, for those, for the frozen chosen, those few, those holy sons and daughters of God who come to your church, uh, you're going to begin with this reading uh, that always reminds me of the Jabberwocky because it's got Jacob crossing this Jabbok River. Maybe uh, yes. this is where... Um, uh, Alice in Wonderland guy. What's that guy's name? Anyway, where this English author wrote about uh, the Jabberwocky. But I digress. Mm. Genesis 32 is about Jacob crossing the Jabbok River. Also, the Hebrew word for wrestle also has that J-B-K. You know, there were no vowels in Hebrew, so every word was just consonants. And so you've got got Jacob, Jabbok, and then the wrestling kind of sounds like Jebek. It's all these, it's kind of a wordplay through the whole thing. It's referred to in a U2 song, Jacob wrestled the angel and the angel was overcome. But we know it wasn't just an angel. It was clearly God in this uh, um, this appearance, one of these Old Testament appearances of God. kind of a, uh, Or one might even say the incarnate Christ. The, the passage is mysterious and, you know, um, but this is clearly an appearance of uh, God in human form in the yeah. Old Testament. Well, so, so what would you say about we, it, Jake? Don't wrestle say, at night, or if you do, just be ready to have your life changed and your hip dislocated? Well, the first thing, the first thing to remember is, is that uh, Jacob uh, is a scoundrel, and um, he has already sent his, um, um, his brother Esau, whom he stole his birthright from, is on the other side with a massive, massive army of men. And uh, Jacob is realizing that this may be the very end. And so, like any gentleman, he sent his wife, his wives, and his children ahead of him. And so, you know, so that's just to set the context. He's yeah. all alone, and he's literally at the end of his rope. I'd now, like to think of this uh, as like Lionel Richie singing on the sidelines, yeah. uh, running through the night, playing with the shadows. And if but he is ever, running through the night. I And I grew up in the desert, and if you've ever been in the desert in the middle of the night alone. It's a terrifying, terrifying place. Uh, shadows move, it's super quiet. It is, um, and uh, anyway, it's intense. But I, I do think it's important, you know, uh, you, two, you two and everybody always talks about Jacob wrestling with God in this moment. But it's actually, if it's properly understood, it's um, the other way around. Uh, this man wrestles with Jacob. And that's important to understand in, when you're preaching this text because, um, uh, uh, what we need to see right here is that God is uh, wrestling uh, with Jacob, not Jacob wrestling with God, because uh, J- God is going to break this man and uh, mm. like break him in the most positive way to do it. And um, I remember this is a funny, like same old song story, just like the wedding story a couple of weeks ago. But in high school, um, I was on the wrestling team and I once wrestled uh 
And I was so good on the high school wrestling team that I knew the number of lights in every high school cafeteria, like across the state of Arizona. Get it? Because I was always on my back getting pinned. Always but looking anyway. up, counting the lights above you. <laughs> anyway, but one time I wrestled this dude named Aaron Simpson. And they, he went to like a two-way school. We were a big 5 I almost thought you were going to say so, my name. I was like, that's not... No, it was, uh, it was uh, the JV wrestled their varsity. But little did I know, in my weight class, uh, this guy would go on to be an Olympian. Uh-huh. <laughs> and anyway, he pounded the hell out of me. Um, no. I was determined to hang in there, but come to find out he was letting me up just to run the points up. But um, And what happened was, is I think we set a state record because I was determined not to lose, but he was just letting me up. But I think we set a state record for the biggest defeat margin in Arizona uh-huh. high school history. Uh, and uh, but You were the, the best point, losers of all time. I was the best loser. He beat the hell out of me. But anyway, the the point is, is that um, this image, Jacob has been whooped. Jacob has been whooped. There's, a, but there's this image that, and and this is oftentimes what God needs to do to get to take the sin away from us. We're so busy hanging on to our pride. We're so busy hanging on to ourself, you know, clinging to everything. That the only thing that Jacob has to cling on to by the end of the day is this man, the one who's defeated him. And Jacob's strength's gone. He's now going to walk with a limp. And all he has now is faith, faith for a blessing, you know. And uh, ultimately in Jesus, uh, the one who's overcome our sin, often by totally wrestling it from us, uh, becomes the one we cling to by faith for comfort and support and salvation. I think a great hymn to play on this Sunday would be John Wesley's Jesus, Lover of My Soul. You know, and that, that chorus that goes, Other refuge have I none, hang my helpless soul on this. Leave, ah, leave me not alone, still support and comfort me. All my trust on thee is stayed, all my help from thee I bring. And so, uh, with a limp, uh, his name, Jacob's name is changed from Jacob uh, to... Um, Israel, which means God rules or God prevailed. And in some uh, versions, it means God wrestles with. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's this one of these words with sort of so many layers. The El is God's name, uh, like El Shaddai or El Ohim, all that. So, uh, and we also get the name El for God here because the name is Peniel, which means the face of God. Again, El meaning mm. uh, El, meaning That's God. That's beautiful. So, the, the other thing I would say, you know, sometimes there's this image here, um, people make a big deal that it says in verse 25, the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, meaning this man who's this appearance of God in human form, he doesn't win. And some people make a big deal about of human strength or human abilities or human power to overcome God, something like this. But Jacob only is in this situation because... God in this human form allows him to be. He's like the guy with Jake, that Jacob Smith was wrestling, who kind of let him think he could maybe prevail, let him think he was winning. Because the fact that he can strike, he can just with a finger or whatever, touch him on the hip socket and dislocate his hip clearly means that he's got a lot more power than he's drawing upon here. He's, mm. he's sort of pulling his punches a little bit. Uh, and then even uh, this God in human form saying to Jacob, let me go for the day is breaking. Um, he is humbling himself, allowing himself to stay yes. in this, you know, headlock or whatever with with uh, Jacob, soon to be Israel. 
but Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is him saying, I want, this is, this is Jacob's coming to faith, sort of like in realizing he needs blessing because he's got, as you said, Esau's army bearing down on him and, and, and about to give him exactly what he deserves, as he thinks. Um, he's alone, he's helpless, and he's like, I, I, I have nothing else. I need you to bless me. Um, and of course he then has this conversation about the name and he changes his name and um uh and that's where where we realize jacob has been transformed mm. and he calls the place the face of god uh and uh he limps for the rest of his life which to me is a little bit of a point that old quote that we share in mockingbird a lot that in christ's army only wounded soldiers can serve in that uh play mm. forget anyways angel troubled the waters forget paul zalkin say something on Instagram about what that, who wrote that play. But when Christ's army, only wounded soldiers can serve. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there was a, once heard a a, um, great um, gospel preacher, I think think it may have been T.D. Jakes, who uh, one time was preaching on this particular text. It was T.D. Jakes. And he said, I never trust a person who doesn't walk with a limp. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and um, the idea being there that someone who hasn't had a wound. And so, and uh, boy, uh, Jacob's life from this very moment is transformed. And the next chapter uh, where he's reconciled back to Esau is one of the most beautiful scenes, I think, not only in the entire book of Genesis, but in the entire uh, Bible. Yep. And that play, The Angel Who Troubled the Waters, that is Thornton Wilder. Just look, look, look mm, to that. Good. Uh, great, great thing to read. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, this is Paul kind of closing out the letter, at least giving some final advice and thoughts to Timothy. Um, talks to him about continuing on the path, sort of staying on it, not trying to go after newfangled things. Uh he, you know, Timothy is a leader of a church, and he says, continue what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and this is stuff you've known since childhood. And then as he, he says, you know, you've known the sacred writings, so stick to those things, meaning the scriptures. And then he has this verse, 316, which is a, that famous verse, all scripture is inspired by God, or in some translations, God breathed and is useful for teaching. And this is the proof text for... Uh, uh, for many people for why scripture is so important, the authority of scripture. And uh, what's always interesting to point out is that when this was written, there was no New Testament. So when the writer says all scripture is God breathed, this writer was thinking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, etc. Uh, the passage you just read. And that's obviously not to say that the New Testament is not inspired. The church clearly has said that uh, we accept the Old and New Testaments as the word of God. But uh, it does, to me, show, the. this verse shows the importance of the Old Testament for early Christian communities, obviously. And it's one that, you know, I think a lot of people today, a lot of Christians, don't spend a lot of time reading, and there's just so much there, so much richness. And um, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Just know that uh, there's a lot of beauty and depth in the Hebrew Scriptures, and I, I this passage always reminds me of that. Um what else would you say about this Second Timothy passage if you were preaching on it, uh, Jacobus? Well, I think, you know, uh, a, a good thing to, I mean, I don't know if there would there be like a, well, I, 
the point here, especially for the preacher, I think what, I mean, just for your own like devotion and work is, I mean, I think what one of the things that Timothy is, uh, Paul, you know, whoever wrote this is trying to get across to uh, this Timothy figure is that um, uh, our job is not to be like innovative and to talk new things, but it's to be faithful to what we've received. You know, uh, that's he opens up with that with what you've learned and firmly believed. Uh, we're called not to be innovative. We're called first and foremost to be faithful. And uh, this is what he really, you know, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's the judge of the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, this kingdom that's being ushered in by the preached word, um, this is why he solemnly urges him, proclaim the message. Um, you know, and there's a lot of times, more times when it's unfavorable, uh, you know, uh, but to convince, rebuke and encourage people from this message. And he comes at this point and you have such a great insight on this, Aaron, if I say so myself. But um, please do, you know, uh, for the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. And um, and, uh, you know, so often we can take a text like this and uh you know, talk about how I've got the sound doctrine, but you don't. You know what I mean? And uh, we can quickly make this about us and them. But uh, but the truth is, is that what this is about is, um, you know, not a short systematic theology, but the sound doctrine is, is essentially the gospel, the good news that Christ has died, risen, and uh, coming again for you. And uh, um, not deeds, but uh, really creeds. And so, uh, and uh, but you know, when we diverge away from that, when we make Jesus simply a moral example, well, then oh, who's to say that he's any different from any other more ex- moral example? And uh, that is to preach and teach the law, which just uh, really agitates the itching ears, and uh, and uh, moves us away to all sorts of new things and ways to fulfill those uh, various and sundry deeds. So yep. uh, focus on the gospel, and that's to be sober and endure the suffering. And you're going to really talk about the gospel again, really, um, and uh, do the work of the evangelist. So uh, my, not so much what I would preach, but I think that this text is a really real encouragement for preachers and a real encouragement for Christians to support your preachers when they're preaching the gospel. Yeah, I and just, you know, my, my insight that you were referring to, which I think you summed up well, was just that make sure when you're reading chapter 4, verse 3, the time of when people will not put up with sound doctrine but have itching ears, just make sure that you um, you see that as an invitation to look at yourself mm. and your beliefs and places where you might have itching ears. Are there things, do you have any teacher that suits your own desires? Uh, and if so, just it may it doesn't mean that it's a bad or wrong teacher just do a little self-examination a little bit of reflection um if you have a teacher whether that's someone on tv or someone in your pulpit or someone in your life who gets you kind of all amped up for something that you you know your your own perspective if they just make you feel better about something you've already come to believe or some view you hold then that's worth a little interrogation um mm. Uh, so yeah, see this. Be encouraged to see this passage as a mirror uh, to look at yourself, as opposed to use it as a bludgeon to uh, hit other people with it. Um, you can't worry about them as much. So, anyways, I also like Amen. the fact that Saint that Saint Paul here talks to Timothy, just very honest about the struggles of ministry. I was just hearing something. You know, there's so many preachers. Every time I delve into like the non-denom world, uh, and I, there's plenty of great 
obviously preachers and churches and um, but uh, you'll often come across in the Instagram or, or somewhere on social media usually like a, a little snippet of a sermon and it's always like God wants to give you victory and I know I, everything's going to work out and I got to just I, I bind in the name of Jesus all these evil forces coming against me and my ministry will succeed or my life will succeed that's not I mean yes ultimately we have the victory in Jesus Christ because he rose from the dead but you know, Timothy here, here's a very sort of sobering message that you're going to have favorable times, but you're also going to have unfavorable times. You're going to need a lot of patience because people are not going to want to listen to you at all. People will turn away. And he says, endure suffering. Like, he doesn't have to say that if there's never any suffering. So, it's just par for the course of ministry. And again, this is a passage that's a little bit harder to preach because it is so specific in its word to preachers. But if you are a preacher and listen to this podcast and you're suffering, just know that you're in good company and Mm -hmm. um, uh, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Uh, Yeah, look at Jesus. Look look to the cross. And uh, know that when God is present, uh, oftentimes so is uh, hardship and frustration. Yep. Um, just like we're frustrated with Jake's chair. So moving on, which actually uh, I've not actually heard it. I'm just taking on, a, I'm a, just, it was a cheap shot. Sorry. Single tear. I, I, I retract that, it. Strike that it from is, the record. It's become, a tra- it's become a trademark. So, I mean, I get <laughs> calls all the time, you know. It's hey, like your catchphrase. Can we, can we see the chair? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. So Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Jesus. And by the way, I'm sitting yes. in such a way that I don't think it's squeaked at all this particular episode. I know. No, it's been great. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, you, what everybody cannot see is that Jake is sitting, he's doing crow pose on his chair, yeah. which means he's balancing on his hands. Um, it's really spectacular to see. All well that done. ab his, work. Thanks, Peloton. His balance is phenomenal. You can't even hear. He's not even like breathing hard. It's great. Um, all right, Luke 18, 1 through 8. Jesus tells them a parable about, oop, he just fell down, about his need to pray always, their need to pray always and not to lose heart, which I just think that's so great because it acknowledges the fact that people often lose heart because we run mm-hmm. out of juice in our prayers. We feel like I've been asking for so long. So Jesus sees and addresses this very human need, uh, and he tells this parable about a city where there was this awful judge. He didn't like God. He didn't like people. He was just like Ebenezer Scrooge. He just hated everybody. And But this widow kept coming him and in his mind would be like whining, like, grant me justice, grant me justice. And he just says, no, no, no. But then, <laughs> and I love Jesus, tell, gives us a thought bubble for this judge, like the judge said to himself, though I have no fear of God and I don't respect anyone, uh, like he's very self-aware, but he says, uh, "Just to get this woman to stop bothering me, I will just I will grant her justice, so she will not continue to wear me out." And so his point is: Look, if this terrible judge who doesn't like people and doesn't believe in God, even if he is willing to answer this uh, widow who keeps crying out for her needs, uh, how much more will God grant justice? And so, Jake have at this what would you say to your congregation <laughs> keep whining to god bug the lord uh, continually is, well that but unfortunately i think a lot of people are going to hear uh the wrong message and they're going to hear um you know sermons on justice and sermons on rights in our current context and that's not what this is about notice what jesus 
doesn't say. He doesn't say whether or not the Son of Man will find justice when he comes on the last day. That's not what he says. It's not whether he'll find people behaving or, you know, uh, you know, uh, affordable housing in the streets or any of these things, a moral society or whatever we think God actually wants. The question is, is will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he appears? You know, and what is faith? Well, that is the one thing that's pleasing to God, to simply trust in the promise of the God who justifies sinners before the law. And uh, so uh, on Jesus' sake, on account of, um, of Jesus who takes away the sins of the world. And so that becomes ultimately the question, is that will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? That's what Jesus cares about. Really, that's what... <clears throat> Uh, that's when you take it back to Genesis, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, Jacob has to cling to this angel for, for uh, that. That is an act of faith and desperation. Um, and, uh, and so that's what Jesus cares about. From faith, everything else proceeds, including works of mercy, love, and compassion. But before God in his bar of justice, this judge who respects neither God nor man, the only thing that matters, the only thing that counts is a righteousness of faith and what Jesus has done for us. And so I think that that's a really important thing to point out, and that because of faith, um, faith leads to persistent prayer, even when God appears to be absent or silent or uncaring. Faith um, prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And also prays into your hands, I commend my spirit. But faith prays because God is so much more than a crooked judge for you, and you are so much more than a nuisance to him. Uh, you, this is what this parable is teaching, that you actually are a child and he is your, and I went to this charismatic like pastor's conference today and they kept singing that song, You're a Good, Good Father. And it has been stuck in my head all day long. But he is a good, good and gracious father in heaven. So uh, nag him to death with your prayers. Uh, be persistent and pesky because he loves to hear from you and he loves to justify you and he loves to give you when all the odds are stacked against you the faith to believe and yeah. confess and I, his name. You know, there's a through line in all these passages. So you have Jacob in this encounter with God, and he's he's wrestling and holding on to God because God allows himself to be uh, held onto by Jacob. And out of that comes a blessing for Jacob. Again, God takes this humble, like allows himself to sort of get beat up a little bit by Jacob. In this parable that Luke tells us, Jesus presents this widow begging and, and annoying and pestering this judge. And so again, in the story, the weaker person, the widow, is, is holding on to the stronger person and demanding something. Mm -hmm. And the stronger person sort of allows himself to be uh, pestered by this person. And I think both of these are pointers to Christ on the cross, where the strongest person has allowed himself to take the weakest position, and he has allowed Pontius Pilate to flog him. He has allowed the uh, the uh, mm. soldiers to drive nails into his wrists, into his ankles. He has allowed 
Peter to betray him and to run away. He has allowed the soldier to pierce his side. He's allowed people to hurl insults at him, and he has absorbed all that into himself. He is the strong one, but he has become the weak one for us. He's allowed all of us to, quote-unquote, defeat him with our sin and with our violence and with our uh, um, personal and corporate sin and all of it. He's taken that all into himself. Uh, And and this is this picture of God who stoops so that we can pummel him, so that we can get angry at him, so we can blame him, and we can sin. And yet he takes it all into himself, and he does it because he loves us. And he takes all that to the tomb, and he leaves it there, and he is raised from the dead. And he gives us this blessing that comes from all this. And so I think um, it's it's a it's a picture to me so almost good. of like a child who gets mad at his mom or dad and like starts hitting them, uh, and the ch- the parent just kind of absorbs all the blows um, because they realize the child is in a, in a weak place and not able to control emotion or not able to do whatever. And so there's this compassionate response there of uh, the parent gives up sort of um, for the sake of the other, and that's what Christ does. Obviously, that's what God the Father does. That's what God the Spirit does, and um, I think pointing people to the fact that what this means is that when in your church service, and they'll do this almost immediately, you know, five to ten minutes after you finish preaching, they will uh, say in the creed that they believe in the forgiveness of sins. They will then confess their sins, and they will um, hear that their sins are forgiven. And what this passage means is that they can trust that that is actually true because of what God shows Jacob, because of what God shows uh, this, you know, through this parable of Jesus. Um, The the things that they've asked God, that they've nagged God, because almost everybody in your congregation has asked for help, has asked for forgiveness a million times, and almost all of them don't really Mm -hmm. believe they've received it. They still feel kind of bad about themselves, and they still feel like they're a terrible person or whatever. And what they're invited to do in these passages is to believe that it's actually true, um, that God hears, God knows, and God has done it. Amen. Gosh, what a great place to um, To wrap it up. And uh, we'll see you again next week as we head deep into, uh, not quite, but almost Reformation Day and uh, the second most popular holiday in the United States of America, All Saints Day. Yes. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.